0: everybody, this is Don LaGreca from the Michael K Show. When it comes to talking sports, Bob Walters and Brett Grasso are the authority. He took a home run away from Roland, trying to get back to first admin. he's doubled off and the inning is over. Andy Chavez saved the day.
1: Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down and the game is
0: tied.
1: Bing bong.
0: Anthony for three.
1: Wait. When it comes to talking sports, they're the authority. It's Bob Walters and Brett Rosso Flock Up Sports and it starts now. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey, bring them out. Hey we go! Bob Walters! Brett Grosso from the Brian Gunzel Studios. This is Locked Up Sports. We got a big one on deck for you here today. Jeff Perlman, the author of the Bo Jackson, the last folk hero book, will join us in a couple minutes. Yep. It's Yankee Elimination Show. Aye. And the Jets and the Giants keep winning. Brett, welcome to the show. Jets
2: and Giants. (laughs) <laughs> Best ever. I called playoffs for the Jets. You're right. You're right. So, um, Daniel Jones, lifetime. Lifetime yeah. of Daniel Jones coming up. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be worth the the uh, first round playoff exit. Every, Jones, every year. Every no, year. Well, let's start this year. Daniel Jones for life. You do have a playoff game coming, though. Yeah, right. Enjoy here here that. So let's start, though,
1: with one of my favorite topics, the Yankees getting swept, swept away. By the Houston Astros, they have now lost five straight
2: league championship you series. Have, why do you sound so happy every time? Because you I am can't, happy. You you can't be
1: that ben, ben, Do you remember when you're it comes to the heat, Yankees? I root for
2: plane crashes. You caught so much heat this week <laughs> from all the Yankee fans. Um, Let me tell you, they were like they were so upset, and you made them all feel so much better on Facebook this week. I mean, listen, the Yankees they can they can hit. All
1: right, they they hit one one forty two for yeah. the series. Yeah, the pitching was okay. the The game four was their best game of the series. They actually got guys to second and third base in game three. Only one man touched third base. Yeah. It was it was not good.
2: Had had Judge doing his final Yankee uh, performance,
1: and then Judge struck out. Actually, made the last out. He he got contact. He was a little dribbler, comebacker. It was like the uh, the one where they lost the World Series to the Marlins, where Beckett made the play. Um, No, that was the Red Sox, or was it the Marlins, where Beckett made the last out? Either way, it was one of the World Series the Yankees lost, and that's all that matters, people. So um, the 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 icing on top was when I found out the next day they have a wellness coach. Okay, right. the Yankees have a wellness oh, coach whatever is whatever rough. they do. He decided that it would be a good idea yeah. to show the team the video of the Red Sox coming back from down 0-3 yeah. yeah. against the Yankees in 2004. I mean, could you get any more any better than that? He has that, to be a Mets fan, right? Imagine
2: putting that package together. I'm sending him yeah. one of my shirts. Let me get all those uh, Red Sox clips. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then on top of
2: that, you know what? You know what? I'm thinking we need to motivate.
1: And if that wasn't bad enough, he said to he said, "Okay, so we're going to do that." Yep. And then I also set up a FaceTime call yeah. between Boone and yeah. Big Poppy. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's what? important. <laughs> it's important. Oh, it was classic. How could you be more tone deaf than that? So no. the Yankees, yo, know, they're not hiring the like Trump, the best and brightest people. Or maybe they are hiring like Trump, the best. They're and not hiring people. anybody. They're retaining. <laughs> they're retaining. They're so Boone, Boone back. Yeah, Cashman back. Listen, I think it's time for Cashman to go. Okay, I think sometimes you have just been with a team too long. Yo, Cashman, well, it's we- the
2: whole. You have to realize, yeah, th- there's a problem with that. Is one or there is there a better option? One, two. If Cashman goes, you're talking about a house cleaning. Like all those yes, people yes. that there's all those people besides for like two or three have been there since Cashman's been there. Well, because the new GM would come in and he'd want his own. He want his own people. It's like the Giants with with Daniel Jones. Like they're gonna. You, that's not his quarterback. You have to realize like they like these people. This is like they go to like the dinner. I understand that, and but they're like they're like I like you, and they're like we don't really have anybody better, and we don't want to ruin all your families. It's like I know your children, like I buy your children Christmas presents. Yeah, but yeah, you're right, you're right, that's right. they are been
1: there for yeah, but you got, but you these guys are business people, and they're still making a if ton of money. They were business
2: people. I mean, how many years are you going to go without winning a pennant? Well, yeah. who's won the most recent pennant? Mets or Yankees?
1: <laughs> hey, good question. Who won the most recent pennant? Mets or Yankees? That's right. And you know what? It's been since two thousand nine. That's a long... Listen, the Yankees...
2: I'd, it's too long. It's too long. The, if I was a Mets fan, I'd say it's too long. And for the first time... I'm just saying they... It, I don't think it's Cashman, but... For the
1: first time in the, in the history of the Yankees, the entire history, there's a team now, there's an organization that completely has their number. The they, Houston Astros have their number. The Yankees can't beat them. They can't do anything about they had it. they have
2: everybody's number. There's, I don't think there's anybody's number they don't have right now. Yeah, but now. the Yankees had everybody's number, but they still had the, the Red Sox. I just think, no, the Astros are just, I mean, honestly, and the only reason we're not talking about it, we should be talking about the Astros, but the other team right behind them, and if you want to be worried about it, is the Braves. The Braves, the, it's the Astros and the Braves right now are two organizations that did such good jobs at organizations that they have retained the big players without having to overspend for them. Their farm system's so good where they keep making better talent. And Freddie Freeman left the Braves. Yeah, and they, they ended up replacing yeah, him know, instantly with Matt Olson, yeah. and and for the production, for less money, for longer years that they're going to get production out of the guy. Well, and on top of it, every other guy is signed through like 2032. All the whole Braves lineup from top to the bottom. The next guy that is up for contract is like twenty thirty two. And I'll give you maybe two or three of those guys don't pan out what they should have been. Their contracts aren't even big. And you look at the Astros, it's a similar situation where the Mets and Yankees right now are their whole banking on this year of we're gonna go out and spend as much money as we can on a guy and go get him. These other teams are not. Yeah, no, and, and you know what it is 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 you, now I want to be quick
1: here because I want to do a quick World Series thing, real quick, two minutes. and Then we Jets Giants. Then we got Jeff Perlman coming up, so stick around. Um, World Series now. World Series. It doesn't start till Friday, which is outrageous to me that they couldn't yeah. move it up a little bit. Um, the Phillies. The Bri- uh, Bryce Harper hit the home run to send them to the. By the way, by the way, one of the better calls I've ever heard. The swing of a lifetime. Good. The swing of a lifetime. Yeah. One of the best. And they, people are getting on him because he's young doing that game. One of the better calls you will ever hear. Yeah. Go listen to it yeah. if you get a chance. The Phillies, do they stand a chance? Or are we looking at a 4-5 game series here?
2: With the pitching, they stand; they definitely stand a chance. They could be up 2-0. And the Philadelphia's going crazy. The with, get- with their offense clicking like it is, and their pitching in their first two pitchers, if those guys, if they can go and split, and I'm telling you, they can go win both games. Do not sleep on the Phillies in terms of betting. In on the road? Their pitching can go out and throw eight innings of shutout ball. It's going to be a one nothing game. No, like it's going to be one nothing or two nothing or two one, one way or the other. And, and there's no reason it's not the Phillies for both games. And Philadelphia's going crazy for this team
1: The get in price uh, for yeah, it's nuts. for um game three is thirteen hundred dollars. The the price you want if you get a, if you want a seat that's standing room. That's the get in the building price. The, if you want a seat, nineteen hundred. Nobody's sitting. Nineteen hundred. Nobody sitting. <laughs> it's Philly. So um. Sit on right, the so toilet. Are you getting ready a
2: cheesesteak? That's about it. And
1: I you know what sucks is because I like we hate Philly because it's Philly and we're Mets fans. But you almost want to root for Philly, but I also want to root for, I'm going to I'm going to root for Houston cuz of Dusty Baker. Because Philly's the underdog, they were the you've last ru- team in the you're, playoffs. You
2: you've root for coaches. Well, Dusty. Bates, that's who you're, on, you're Dusty. into. You're into the guy who was the least, the least going on on the on the field. Side. That's who. <laughs> he's the he's who they're playing for. So we're gonna next week. We're gonna be on the check out the website for our do it for Dusty shirts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're coming up. So we got
1: that. So that's it. So Yankees, see ya. See you next March. I'm also with Dusty. Um, the Giants I'm, and the Jets. The Giants are six and one. They are they are. Listen, they're in everybody's top ten power rankings this week. They had another come-from-behind win. It was one yard short. Um, They held the guy up at the the one-yard line. He didn't score. They beat Jacksonville, and you know what, Trevor? I said this on uh, the bonus coverage for the newsletter. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a big quarterback in this league. Yeah, he's got—he almost looks like Brett Favre. He's got a Brett Favre type arm. Yeah, and ETN, their running back is going to be good too. He's just got to learn how to hold on to the ball. That fumble
2: at the end of the half oh killed. Oh, God, that was so. I mean, bad. killed them. Actually, that that yeah. was a
1: ten-point swing because they were going. I didn't in get, to get to watch seven. the whole
2: game, but I actually saw that whole. It was part, a ten-point
1: swing because they were going in for seven, and yeah, the and the that Giants was it. No, back that was the, other the way. game.
2: No, that was the game when it happened. I was like, oh my god, that guy just—that—that's it. The momentum going into the half is always. The now they're going to
1: have a test this week. 425 in Please Seattle. Go. In
2: Seattle, I think the Giants will probably win. Listen, Seattle with that big quarterback they traded for. You know, the, the big... Oh, I'm sorry. They got rid of the quarterback. <laughs> they brought in Geno. Geno Smith. You and guys, guys got the big quarterback you're going against this week. And
1: you know what? Give Pete Carroll and credit. And we know all about Geno. Give Jets Pete, and Giants. Give Pete Carroll credit. Because he... is a, 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 who else are you going to uh, give yeah. credit to? Yeah. Gino Smith isn't just all of a sudden learning how to play quarterback now in the
2: NFL. Yeah. He was not good for the Jets, for everybody. He was backups. He wasn't great. He wasn't ever bad. Yeah, I'm not going to say, he, let me tell you, but that's most a lot of guys, they go in and they're bad. Do you know what I mean? Like It's not easy he to okay. be okay. I like, would say he was okay. middle It's of not the even road. easy to be okay because it's so hard to get past that threshold of, I'm just not here trying to die. Yeah. Like, it really is. <laughs> and Gino, being in the league as long as he has and taking enough snaps, he is, like, actually looking at the receiver. Yeah. I mean, down the, the field speed. in coverage. As these other guys are, like, even in your first year, if you're Trevor Lawrence, it's okay, first hike, well, don't die, so throw so it where he, the guy might be. Whereas Gino, listen, give, give them awesome credit. Because Pete Carroll took a lot of crap all those years of them being on the edge and never doing it. As if Russell was the greatest quarterback of all time, and they should have done more, or their defense was so good, and they should have done more, and and, and except for that one play, he should have he should have ran the ball. Yeah, um, he <laughs> he'll never live that down. But they uh, listen this year in the NFL,
1: you're seeing coaching and how how yeah. important coaching is. Look at the Giants and
2: and having an organization as
1: opposed to one player. Daniel Jones numbers. If you look at his numbers this year and last year, they're not very, not yeah, much different.
2: No, because you keep looking at his passing numbers. He's holding onto the ball. If you back off and you look at Daniel Jones as a whole, like you should, see the problem is you look at Daniel Jones and you go, yeah, he's a drop back passer, right? Yeah, he's running all he's over. He's not a drop back passer. Daniel Jones is. If you add everything together, and I, I, I hate to even say it because I don't like him like long term, but the guy run, he runs the ball and isn't playing from behind, like really from behind, and he doesn't have to drop back and throw it like crazy, he's a pretty good quarterback. Well, the number 4 rusher in the
1: NFL is um, Saquon Barkley. The number 5 rusher in the NFL is Daniel Jones. Let
2: me tell you, you take away that on third down. If you told me on every play on third down, Daniel Jones couldn't scramble and and make something happen where the fear of Daniel Jones leaving the pocket is enough where it's making him and that team be able to get out of those third and outs and get past those downs and, and get into better field position and run the ball better because there's a threat coming from many different levels. which pro- is you know. yeah. I, and the problem with that is, though, is it's not sustainable. No, it's not problem. when you go behind that If you they go against get a good killed. team, you're going to go against the team versus Kansas City where you're going to have to gunsling. You're going to have to go in there and score points versus these teams, especially when you get to the playoffs. And if you're a guy who's... Just trying to get to the next third down marker and get a couple, you know, if you're down by three touchdowns, you're in trouble.
1: Well, if you're down by three touchdowns to the South Bay Lions
2: in Sayville, you're you're in trouble. If you're down three touchdowns, you're in trouble, period. Not if you have the right quarterback, you're not. No, that's what we've learned around in the NFL. Down by three touchdowns at the half does not mean you're losing this football game in the playoffs. What are you,
1: you, no, are it you doesn't. You're watching the Bills and the Houston Oilers games? No, you
2: watch them all. <laughs> Let me tell you, when you're like, teams tend to like, and you have good coaching or whatever, you don't, it hasn't been that way. Like, I'm telling you, like that, a guy like Daniel Jones, if he has to drop back and go throw for 400 yards, you lost the game. Okay, so now your team. If he if he ran, oh yeah, if he ran for fifty it, and threw for two hundred. Yes. Ha- you won, but it's not sustainable. In you the know, I mean? he's gonna
1: get himself killed running around like that. These guys are too big. He's not. Yeah, he's he's a, a big boy. Big no, ball, but, like, but, but it's
2: Daniel Jones who gives a crap. We yeah, exactly, need you to run exactly. through people <laughs> exactly. this year, next <laughs> exactly. year, and if you blow something out, we'll it draft. It is what it is. It is, we'll, what it yeah, is. Right.
1: Now, speaking of blowing something out, the injury uh, bug, the Jets slammed with the injury
2: bug. Was, Two key injuries. Brett, let's hear it. I was so sick about this. Let me tell you, because, you, Bob, I, who have I talked about every day since you've known about? For the last three weeks, I I called you. I called Frank. I tried to get bets in for Offensive Rookie of the Year for Brees Hall. <laughs> you did try to get it. I called everybody. I was like, they don't have it on FanDuel. I was like, Brees Hall. Guaranteed. Everybody else was like, wait, but... I mean, they already had the defensive rookie here Sauce Gardner, right? Or wait, no, what about their Garrett Wilson? He should be. He was the the, the top pick, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, such- and I was like, Brees Hall, And let me tell you, that guy was head and shoulders above anybody else coming into this league as a running back. And the guy even showed you at the beginning of a 62-yard run for a touchdown early in that game, right before he ends up going down and tearing his ACL, and he's out for the year. And Sick.
1: Yeah, and the, you know what? It's a shame because the Jets are playing well. They, they're not. It's not going to be sustainable now. With, with they who they they picked up, uh, they traded for somebody, six round pick for. You think
2: that's bad? You lose Brees Hall. That's bad. You lose Elijah Vera Tucker. Yeah, I'm right. talking Pro Bowl, All Pro, no, like as good as a lineman has been that has come out of the draft in recent years for any team, and he is there. You go torn triceps. He's out for the year. Now you got Patriots week this week. You got um, Belichick coming in. They they're coming off being blown out by by the Bears on yep. Monday night. Yep. Um, and wh- not to mention, for well, well, one Mac Jones is starting, and Mac Jones only made it through like two series. He got pulled and I don't care what Belichick yanked. says. He got pulled for performance. He got yanked for performance. Um, you had Zell or whatever his name is, and come they hate in. him. They hate him in, in New England. They no, hate him. and now they were chanted for the other guy all the, the since the first snap of the and, game. And I if came. Belichick was going to stick with Mac Jones, like this is your guy, no matter what, he really messed himself up by bringing in the other guy at that point in the game, even if that was the better choice. And I would have too. Zappy, right? Zappy. If you <laughs> went out, Zappy, I, if you went out and and didn't play him, just stuck with Mac Jones. Then you wouldn't be in this total quarterback controversy. Bringing him out and Zappy going out and lighting it up in the end of the second half, well, I mean, the first it, half, it,
1: the whole thing did a complete one eighty. And then Within the second, like, it,
2: three plays, they did they fourteen points on the board. Yeah, yeah. Guess who had the under? Um, uh, yeah, I had, I had. I had Mac Jones. First thing I saw <laughs> was was they had Mac Jones for over or under two hundred and forty yards passing, and I was like, he's not even going to play. I was like, under. Okay, and I went and and decided to they go. You know what? They put that
1: out there if he wasn't playing.
2: They no, put that no. But out I there. had a I I understand. I knew he was in the lineup. I knew he was going to be there. I don't even know if I knew he was going to be starting at that point. But I was like, there's a chance he doesn't even take half the snaps. Like, there's a good chance he's this is Bill Belichick. He doesn't even have two. He has two offensive coordinators. Yeah, yeah. And- like the guy doesn't play by the rules. Even if this is going to be your guy, like so- I knew you know Zappy was getting snaps at some point. So anyway. Under 250 was a good bet, but I was like, let's get a little, uh, let's add a little onto this. <laughs> the, Some unders. The poly,
1: the sucker poly. I was like, under. So, do the... Do, do I think the Jets, okay. can, the Jets can win this game. The Jets, Jets can are, win this game. They, the can't, Jets, they can't be contenders for the playoffs anymore, though. The with Jets that. are
2: underdogs at home. Yeah, which is, the Patriots, a, which is weird to me. Which is what's been going on. We talked about this last week, and I expected the Giants to lose the game yeah, based on Vegas. They were begging you to take the Giants. Best, right, right. And it almost happened. And exactly. now this is, the, I feel like this is the same thing with the Jets this week. The Jets are at home. They're getting points at home. They're winning games. They have a great defense. Uh, they're running back who they lost. Yes, they lost them, but. Michael Carter's a good running back, and then they went and picked up uh, and traded for, who was it, uh, yeah, it Jonathan was a, Taylor? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. They traded
1: a six-round pick or something
2: for him. R- right, but again, he's, uh, y- at least you have a backup. He's serviceable. So are you're, at he's least serviceable. You're, no, but your good running back, Michael Carter, isn't going to be just wiped out running the ball, you know, five times in you a know row. what? You know what they got to do? The the quarterback's
1: going to have to throw the ball now. Zach they Wilson looked like crap last week. He yeah, looked like he
2: looked like garbage. That's last like week. The, yeah, but as bad and as they the Broncos, won, I don't as,
1: care. They won because as bad as the Broncos are, they're still the best yes. defense in the league. Yes, so he's not- and
2: that's where Brees Hall, a guy like him, who carved them out for sixty two yards. The moment he came out of that game, and you lose Elijah Vera Tucker, the guy who was the guy who was blocking two guys. We we can't get a lineman to block one guy. Tucker's blocking two at a time, and once they were out of the game, you took away that threat and the Broncos were able to back off, play zone, see what's going on. Zach Wilson had to try and find openings which weren't there without the play-action This game. is a
1: world of difference, though. From it, I mean, listen, you're going from Denver, which is a bad team. You know, that game was terrible to watch. It was just three and a half back and forth. Yeah. But Denver's a bad, bad team with a great defense. Now you're going up against a defense that just got torn up by by Fields in Chicago, Yeah, and they scored, what, 38 points or whatever it was. So... Yo, have Zach Wilson go out there, and now he's going to have to throw the ball. You're yeah. an NFL quarterback. Yeah. It's now time for Zach Wilson to step up, beat the Patriots at home, MetLife well, Stadium, and, the and game. And we
2: got our guy we talked about last week is active again. Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore's is uh, active. Yeah, he, I mean, he's going to be... The, listen, what do you mean? He, I, is well, it, is we need good we we need now? To go? good? They made up? We lo- we lo- uh, not, forget about Brees Hall running the ball. You know what we lost? We lost the guy out in the backfield catching the ball. We need to make up those yards. <laughs> throw it downfield. We yeah, lost a lot of yards. yards. Yeah, but that we need that guy. We need somebody else to step yeah, up. You see Zach Wilson's... I don't his, care. His, his
1: Achilles heel is throwing outside the numbers. He's not very good at it. His, uh, his arm strength
2: is not the greatest, but throwing outside the um, numbers is trouble for him. His arm strength is good. No, no, no. He has arm strength. I'll give you that right now. You have to realize this is a guy who's coming back probably before he's 100% with the knee, and you're pushing off and all the other stuff that goes on with it. So do the Jets win? I, I'm afraid to even say it because like, <laughs> I'm on like the wagon of if I keep saying they're going to lose, then we're going to be going. I, I got them winning. I got. Uh, listen, if you're talking about taking points, I'm definitely taking the Jets and the points. All no right, so now it's time for our...
1: Um, let's. The, we got all that out of the way, the Yankees. Now it's time for the main event here for today. It is going to be jeff perlman here is our interview with new york times best-selling author jeff perlman okay we are now joined by our guest he's written everything from walter payton to the 86 mets his book showtime about the lakers dynasty of the 1980s is the basis for hbo's hit show winning time and his latest book is the last folk hero the life and myth of bo jackson new york times best-selling author jeff perlman jeff welcome to the show I'm
0: always offended when people say New York Times selling author, and they don't add "ridiculously handsome man." Yes. So well, if you guys, could, if you could do that again, maybe. That'd be cool.
1: <laughs> I don't lie on the show, Jeff. Come on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Fair
1: enough. Um. So we 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 both we both read this book. and Now you you interviewed seven hundred over seven hundred people. The question yep. that that we both have when we first started was, "Is the airplane thing real?"
0: The airplane thing is real. Now, the question is, for your, for people listening who don't know, that uh, he was on a flight with the Chicago White Sox and the plane caught on fire. And there are two versions of the story. One is Bo Jackson had been in the cockpit and he came back out of the cockpit once the plane was on fire to calm everyone. The other one is the plane catches on fire and he runs up to the cockpit. And I wrote that both stories could be true because he's Bo Jackson and he's Superman. I think the one that is true, more likely, is he was in the cockpit because he really enjoyed talking to pilots and when the plane caught on fire he sort of was set back to calm everyone and the cool thing is the plane had an emergency landing in Des Moines uh, it was like 3:30 in the morning the guys were really shaken i mean the plane was literally on fire and they um, there's a kiosk in the Des Moines airport it's closed and there's a keg and there's a lock on the keg and Bo Jackson barehanded breaks the lock so all his teammates can drink beer at 3:30 in the morning what-
2: when I read that, I was like, wait, is, is this fake? Like, is he, is this, to-? like, I, and when all of a sudden I think back and I was like, no, no, this, this, I think he's telling, like, these are real stories from people.
1: Yeah, they that, sure are. That's he's, the whole uh, point, of that's the myth. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. the whole thing. It was, it was a great opening of the book. Now, it starts out, you go through his whole, his whole life here, pretty much, and it's, he starts out, he has a rough childhood, they were thing that caught my attention because I'm a correction officer and, and I know you had said in the beginning your mother was a what a parole officer, probation probation. probation. So you know, um, I I noticed there were three moments he said that he went through where he could have ended up in jail, just another guy in Alabama in
0: jail, and just uh, go through that real quick for us. I mean, he had a really rough upbringing, like really rough. He um, he was living as one of ten kids in a three room house sleeping on the floor his mom had three jobs he was a maid in a motel he didn't have running water in his house so there was an outhouse where they would use a bathroom um he had a severe stutter he was held back in grade he was a bully and you know there are these moments when he was little uh number one when he beat the crap out of someone with a pool stick in a pool hall uh and two instances where he almost shot people like literally got his gun to shoot people um one, the kid wasn't there. Another kid ran away. And, you know, his he had an older brother who went to uh, reform school. And it was something that scared the crap out of Bo Jackson, the idea of reform school, because his brother came back with all these stories of kids being sexually assaulted in a in reform school. And he, de- he desperately did not want to get sexually assaulted in a reform school and sort of turned to sports as a way of, you know, escapism and ultimately an escape. But he had very, very many... Sort of run-ins and moments in his early life where he could have gone a different direction. Many,
1: yeah. I mean, I almost felt bad because, like, as I was as I'm reading the book, I'm thinking, "Man, this guy was a bully. He was a jerk." But I felt bad thinking that because of his, because that he was
0: obviously a product of his upbringing. Yeah. You know well, I actually think that shows your background as well. Like i I think when you see a kid, I mean, you know he was going to school. You know his, sister, his sisters' hand-me-down shoes or socks. He was wearing socks to school. And when you see a kid as a bully, sometimes our instinct is to say, "Oh, what an asshole! He's a bully." But then you ask yourself, "Well, why was he a bully? What was in his life? What circumstances did he face at home?" I think that's the case with him. Yeah, and then um,
1: now he also he grew up as a, as you know a post segregation pretty much most of his his life, and in high school and stuff, it was still rough down in the south for for black people. And he had I know one thing that stood out for me was the story about. He was the. It was the night before a big game in high school, and his offensive line saw him in the car with a white woman. And the next day at the game, they took they completely took a play off, which could totally have killed his career if he got hurt yeah, they, or anything. But that that was interesting to me. Yeah, that was
0: interesting for me too. And um, the guy who told the story is like both. You know, he never admit this. Blah 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 blah. But here's exactly what happened. We saw him with a white girl at a movie theater, and the next day. We, the first play of the game was a handoff to Bo, and we just stood there. The line just stood there, and Bo got, you know, lit up a little bit. And he gets up and he says, What was that for? And one of the offensive linemen said, Don't mess with the white girls. And that was from an offensive lineman on the team. But that was, you know, I don't think Bo, there's no way he would say in his life, he wouldn't be like, Oh, prejudice really brought me down, blah, 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 blah. But as I write in the book, like, he lived in a really poor, crappy part of town because he couldn't live in a better part of town. His mom, Never had educational opportunities where she could have not been a maid. His house was his house because that's where he was relegated to live. The school he went to, like, there's so many things about growing up in that era that even if he didn't directly see the impact of race, clearly were directly impacted by race. Yeah, and I mean he just won.
1: He basically won the gene pool because like things like when he he just enters a decathlon, he doesn't even know what it is. He doesn't even know how to throw a discus. The first time he throws it like a frisbee, it goes nowhere. The guy shows him, and then he wins. He wins the thing. Do you think track and field was his best sport?
0: I do. I yeah. do. I really do. Certainly at that age. I mean, set five state records. He won back to back decathlons. I like the second time he won the decathlon. He did it on a sprained ankle, and he also never took his sweatpants off. Imagine, like, you're a kid from some (laughs) school, and this guy's dominant, and he's not even taking his sweatpants off. Like, that's ridiculous.
2: Yeah. (laughs) It it seems like in anything he played or in any team he was on, he could have been, he was the best on it, obviously, at his position. But he probably could have been the best at any position on most of the teams he played. I mean, uh, even up until getting, most guys can do that in high school when you're a great athlete. But when he got up into college and even into the pros, that was probably the case for most of the positions.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, their quarterback at Auburn, were two guys, Randy Campbell and Pat Washington, and uh, Bo had a stronger arm than both of them. I mean, they were at the, uh, they played Michigan in the Sugar Bowl one year, and um, one of their punter was trying to hit the the dangling scoreboard from up above, way up above. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Do it. Couldn't do it. Bo picks up a ball, throws it, misses, throws it again, boing, hits the scoreboard. Like in the history of the Super Bowl, two punters had ever hit it, and Bo just throws it and hits it. I mean, it was seventy yards straight up. He's just ridiculous. He um he threw a football ninety yards. You know, like he just he was in high school. He was a team kicker. He was our best defensive player. He was a running back. He could do anything. I mean, I saw John Elway throw the vortex one time on a commercial,
1: one hundred and twenty yards.
0: Wow. Maybe, maybe Bo is no Elway. Both drafted. Both of them drafted by the Kansas City Royals, by the way. Elway and oh, uh, wow. Bo Jackson.
1: Wow, yeah. that's a good one. I, I, you know what it was uh, amazing with with the draft with the with the he screwed over. I mean, listen. He got screwed over by Tampa with the with the with the way they they didn't do the you know they they didn't talk to mm-hmm. him. He lost his eligibility, but he he really screwed them over. You lose the number one pick in the NFL. That's a
0: big deal. I strongly disagree with the idea he screwed them over. He um no beef or anything, but he gave them <laughs> ample warning that he was not going to go to Tampa Bay. I mean, there's a scene in the book that uh, I just thought was funny, where after they drafted him and you Culverhouse, the owner enlist Steve Young, who was their quarterback at the time, to um, take Bo Jackson out for dinner. And Culverhouse thought Steve Young would be like his good pitch man. And Culverhouse leaves the table and Bo leans into Steve Young and says, Jesse, so you know, there's no other way I'm ever going to sign here. And Steve <laughs> Young's like, All right then, my job is over. Let's have dinner. You know He had no he had no interest in the Buccaneers. He let them know he had no interest. He hated the Buccaneers. He felt like they cost him his baseball eligibility in college. So they were dumb for picking him. In fact, the owner of the I mean, uh, the coach of the Bucks at the time was and Bennett. And he said to the owner in the lead up to the draft, he said, Don't draft him if we don't know for a fact he's going to sign. And the owner's like, Nah, he'll sign. He'll sign. Once he sees the money, he'll sign. But Bo Jackson had more principle than that. He wasn't just going to sign for the money. Yeah, I mean, if you think
1: about it, most of the times with, num- with that number one pick, they have him signed. They have a contract signed yep. a lot of times before you even get to the draft.
2: But so, he's, got, he's yeah. got the guy had options, you know. Most other guys don't. You you know you play one sport and you come in and they go, this is what you're going to get. This is who you're going to play for. And uh, you know, listen, he shows what he could have done playing baseball and playing football. Um, you know, I honestly we talked about you know his abilities, but is it true the guy was running like a four one three forty? Back in back in uh, college, and then they're saying at the combine something in the oh, range Hill. like full, you ran it up bro. <laughs> yeah. probably in pads
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with a broken with a broken leg. In yeah, combat yeah. yeah. Things, right? because
2: I mean that, um, that stuff is like it, it competes with Olympians, and the guy should have probably could have been an Olympian. And but
0: yeah, oh. well he was a great runner. He ran the track. He ran track at Auburn. The thing that also like you have to remember that's crazy about it is um he was 220 pounds. Yeah. Like. Tyreek Hill is probably the fastest guy in the NFL. Right. Tyreek Hill is not running a 4-1-3-40, period. And yeah. Jack's now weighed him by 40 pounds. Um, BoJack ran a 4-1-3-40 at Auburn. He shows up with the Raiders in 87. They have him run a 40 on grass in pad. He runs a four-one-nine. They asked him to do it again. He runs a four-one-seven. Wow. Like, his speed-power combination has never been anything like
1: it. Now, what about the pop-up where he ran around the bases and it turned, the guy lost it in the, in the lights or whatever? Uh, the, the, the high school game.
0: He popped it up. Yeah, Fairfield. Bo was in McAdory. He was playing Fairfield High. This is in Alabama. I started hearing rumors about a play where Bo Jackson hit a ball so high that it, he was rounding third by the time it came down. And, you know, I'm like, give me a break. Like, there's no way that happened. But then you start talking to people, and they're like, no, it happened. Four people no, it happened. And finally, I talked to the left fielder, Eddie Scott. He was literally playing left field. He was the one where the ball came to. He's like, it happened, man. I'm telling you, it happened. I was in the outfield. It's the highest fly ball I've ever seen in my life. I lost it for a second. It comes down. I pick it up. Bo is rounding third, heading for home. He's like, I swear. So, is it? Here's the thing, but I do mean like the title of the book is The Last Folk Hero, and I say it because a lot of these stories there wasn't like no one did see him run. There's no video of him running a four-one-three. There's no video of him running a four-one-seven. There's no video of the game against Fairfield High where he's rounding third. So there is some folklore to the stories, and maybe if there were video. Like maybe that ball hit a hole or maybe it hit a pigeon and the pigeon caused the ball to make a weird pass and maybe by the time you know what I mean like yeah. we don't have yeah. video of it, but I have ten people telling me the story and I am willing to acknowledge like this book there's a little bit of wink wink nudge nudge with the right. stories. Like you can believe this, maybe it did happen this way, maybe it didn't. But here are ten people telling you the story.
2: What do you think how do you think you would compare if Bo Jackson was coming up today with the social media and the Instagram and the TikTok And you know, uh, since it won't, it would be more right out in front of you. Do you think we would even think even more of Bo Jackson actually seeing it in person? Or is that, you know, the folk hero or, you know, the mystique of Bo Jackson or the concept of maybe a little bit was Fludge a little bit more than we knew why he's such a
0: big deal. I think it would definitely be less fun. Like, I do think it's more fun to have the stories that I don't, I like, you know, obviously social media has its place, I guess. But like seeing everything, absolutely everything, definitely takes away a little of the, the luster. Yeah, you know, like Santa Claus. If you're a kid, Santa Claus is amazing. Going to a mall and seeing Santa Claus is amazing. Seeing a guy changing into a Santa Claus suit in the yeah. back closet of the mall is not amazing. And <laughs> so, like a lot of the stories, maybe it's maybe his four one three forty. Maybe his hand was in front of the line. You know, like I don't want to see that. Like I like thinking he ran a four one three forty. So I think. And also, I think he would hate social media. Like he's on social media, and he's kind of sucks at it. Like he's not very good at it. He's yeah. not. He's, he's not overly warm and gooey. He's not gushy. So I, I think it's better that he
1: was a guy of the '80s and '90s. All right, now that now now is there something you want to tell us about the Santa Claus of the mall, Jeff?
0: No, right. <laughs> I once w- I once uh, I once did a story when I was in Tennessee and about mall Santa Clauses, and um, those guys deserve medals of honor for the amount of crap they take from oh, I kids throwing up. Obnoxious parents, on and on and on.
1: That that that's funny. Now you're 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 sitting here. You're talking. You know, we're just three Mets fans talking to, to each other here. Um, mm-hmm. The the uh, the bad guys won. Now, yeah. actually, you know, let's start with with real quick with the John Rocker interview. I know you hate talking about it, but we'll, we'll go through it real quick. Do you think he knew how bad the reaction was going to be when he was saying those words? To you
0: did he truly believe those words? I think he believed them. I don't think he knew. There's no way in hell he knew this interview is going to get me demoted, suspended, and lampooned on Saturday Night Live by Will Ferrell. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way he knew that. I think he thought, I always say this, I think he thought we were two white guys in a car. Yeah. And, you know, he knew I was a reporter. I had a, I had a notepad out and I had a tape recorder. So he knew I was a reporter. But so I just honestly think, in his sheltered worldview, view, ah, we're two white guys in a car just chatting. And it's like, yeah, man, I don't really work that way. You know, Did like, you- I'm not.
2: Do you think he probably had interviews like that in other places where that was the situation?
0: Maybe, but, um, you know, he was still a young player at that point. Maybe. The thing is this I'm not in the business of replacing, uh, of protecting homophobic, racist, xenophobic assholes. Like, it's not my yeah. lot in life to do that. Yeah. Um, it's possible he was a very young player, so it's also possible this is his first real one on one interview with a reporter at a big place. Maybe that's it. Either way, me, like, either way, like, he's giving me his opinions, okay? he He's calling a black teammate a fat monkey, and he's talking about quote-unquote queers on the seven train and, you know, welfare moms and all that stuff. Like, I'm a reporter. My job is to get into him and who he is. And if someone gives you the gift of opening up, you take it, you know? You just do. Hey, listen, did he- I didn't know, I didn't know he'd be suspended. Fine. I had no idea. I wasn't happy about that. I didn't, I'm, honest to God, I'm of the opinion you know, if you're, you know, if you run a league like Major League Baseball, or the NFL, or whatever, that you have a wide swath of people from a wide swath of backgrounds. Not everyone is going to share your liberal view. Not everyone's going to share your conservative view. But if you if you want them to talk to the media, you just have to prepare that not all of them are going to have very PC views. And um, so, I didn't like that he was suspended. I think if you expect people to talk, and to be honest, um, that's what you're going to get. Well,
1: I mean, it worked out great. I mean, you were running a, a go pattern, and the and the
0: DB fell down, and you were all alone, basically, with that one. He gave you a layup with that one. Yeah, I mean, I he did. And if, if you read the article again, it was really neat just putting it out there. Like uh, the article is not even very good. It's just very straightforward. It's nothing snazzy about it. He just, you know, when a guy talks, sometimes. He just gives you the material. Man. now the now you're at the age where we're we're both
1: uh, forty one, so you're a little bit older. You were the eighty six bets were right in your wheelhouse. That's the perfect time to win a championship. For me, it happened with the ninety four Rangers at that age. Um yep. so tell tell us a little bit about the team and about that about that book real quick.
0: It was my first book. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was excited to dive into my youth. I was thirteen years old, it was going on fourteen when that season was happening. I used to uh my neighbor in Mayo Pack, New York, was a guy named Vinny Gargano. His, his son, Dennis, was a good friend of mine. But I would go to their house, and Mr. Gargano would always be watching the 86 Mets. He'd be smoking vice drinking a Coke, and watching the Mets. And I got my real education from baseball by hanging out with Mr. Gargano. And, um, you know, that team was just, they were wild, and they were destructive, and they were perfect New York for the time period, which is spray paint and hookers and graffiti and you know, peep shows and, you know, to kind of a dirty, gritty city. Like, they were that team. And um, I just loved them. And I loved writing about them. I loved hanging out with them. It remains, like, of all the books I've written, it's definitely the book I'm most identified for. Um, Of all the fan bases I've covered, you know, from Mets to Cowboys, Lakers, all that, the Mets fan base is the one I feel like that's embraced that book in a certain way. Um, Where if you say the bad guys won, a decent number of people seem to know. They may not know my name, but they seem to know the book. yeah, uh, And that, that is incredibly... I, I really mean it's like warm feeling. To me, that means something to me. Um, so I love that book. Man.
1: Now, I, it, what was funny is it actually changed... When I read it, it changed a little bit of my point of view because I've i have I've had a couple encounters with Keith Hernandez, right? And he's just a jerk. He's been a dick to me almost every time I met him. And in, in yeah. the book, you go you go about... You're like, that's what I liked about this team. And I was like, you know what? Then I, I can see that. I can see that a little bit.
0: Well... Yeah, I liked that they were gritty and grimy. There's no excuse for being a jerk to someone. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, i heard right, that. Right. And I've heard that. I've heard that about Keith also, that he can be not very nice. And I just, I mean, on the one hand, with public figures, they do get bombarded at times and it gets old. But I don't, I never, I, to me, there's very little excuse for being an asshole to someone. Maybe, whatever. Everyone has a bad day. You have to allow people a bad day. But multiple, like, I don't know if you guys saw the whole James Corden thing and the way he treated the waiter and yeah. the way stuff. Like, it's hard for me to excuse that kind of behavior like i get you're famous and i get whatever but you should always be nice to the waiter you should always be nice to the the thing that always bothered me about barry bonds when i covered baseball if he wasn't nice to the people he didn't have to be nice to you know like it's easy to be nice to the reporters it's easy to be nice to your teammates how are you treating the guy who shines your shoes how are you treating the guy who's your waiter how are you treating the guy who holds the door for you i think those are judges of character
2: yeah, it, it, I think like, athletes have, have realized these days and have actually made a point to go out. Whether or oh not yeah. it was how they were gonna be. Well, let me tell you, it was very difficult get to go get certain autographs or go approach players back <clears> when <throat> we were kids. Where a lot of times they would be like, "Get out of here" or whatever. And yep. now I feel like they know. Maybe it's because the cameras are in their face and everything's so you know, front and center. But either way, I think it makes for a better also, uh, experience also, for we're fans. We're also
1: adults now. I'm not looking for like no Michael Fordo's. No, right. he's twenty. He's a kid. You know, like I enjoy watching them play, and I enjoy this but he's a kid he's a 20 year old kid but i like a picture with keith Hernandez. you know yeah. that's it
0: yeah, yeah. And i think fans, hang to, to, yeah. i'm sorry what's that i just think i just think they um i think guys like keith are, i do think there's a tendency to view older fans skeptically with skepticism if you're an athlete or a former athlete and you're like what do you want from me like i get it if it was 14 why are you asking me for a picture why are you asking me for an autograph you're 40 years old are you going to sell it what are you going to do with yeah. it blah, 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 which I get, I actually do get, because there is a long history of that being taken advantage of by money-hungry assholes. Yeah, no, you're right.
1: Now, you made news um, when the Brett Favre story broke. You didn't want to, you told people to stop reading your book, i think he listen i think this is a this is a serious crime he's a terrible person for this he's already been a bad it's guy It's been
2: entirely underreported people have not yeah. brought him to the forefront like they would have so many other athletes if they were had the same scenario happen especially somebody as famous as he is and has been that in the front with other other bad things that he's done in the past
0: yeah what do you think about that real quick i think it's gross i think it's really disturbing um and to be honest with you, I'm kind of friendly with, from writing the book about Favre with Jen Sturger, and that's the reporter who he sent his, the private the yes, pictures yes, of his right. dick And I think we should have washed our hands with Favre then. Like, to be honest with you, like he did that when he was at the Jets that one year. Then he has this year in Minnesota where we're back to being like, he's the gunslinger. Look at this old guy. We're doing yep. glowing portraits. Like, he sent pictures of his dick to a sideline reporter. Um, he ruined her life. He ruined her career. They got out, uh, you know, and like we should have washed our hands. So then. He comes along and it's unfathomable, man. You're from the poor state in America. You're from Mississippi. There is an enormous, poor, largely African American population in your poor state that depends on welfare funds, like, depends on it so they can eat. And you're having money diverted from that to pay for a volleyball gym at Southern Miss because your daughter plays volleyball there. Like, I always think like your red father. You played in this super diverse world for 20 years. You played with teammates. You grew up on welfare. You know what it is. You've seen through conversations, through experience, what it is to grow up poor and black in America and in Mississippi. And to feel, to be so disconnected from that, that you're willing to just have money taken from welfare and put it to a volleyball gym is one just to be blunt, is one of the most fucked up things I've ever heard in yeah.
2: my life.
1: Yeah, and he I mean he's the lawyer. He's, the, he's the, he got the most welfare of any, anybody in the
2: state. And also he kept yep. going back to her for more and he more and went, more. He could have went and raised that money with listen, his what, name and his family And what happened Come
1: is on. what happens to every every criminal like this. They they rounded up the rest of them and they were like, hey look, you're going to prison for a long time. You got anything for us? And she goes, I got
0: Brett Favre. Yeah. And that's the like, other thing that's pathetic, like really pathetic, is like you're the governor, Governor Bryant. The former governor of Mississippi, and you're doing all this for Brett Favre? Like, get a life, man. Brett Favre, yeah. Like, you're so enamored by this guy because he was a great quarterback that you're willing to do this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how freaking pathetic! Like, I just think it's so pathetic. You're so enamored by this guy because he was a quarterback for the Green Bay Packers that you're going to lot welfare money for a volleyball gym? Are yeah. you that big of a loser? It's almost, like, are you 13 years old? I mean, it's pathetic. It's almost like a 40 year old man wanting a picture with Keith
1: Hernandez. Yeah. Yeah, who would do that? <laughs> lose it. As long as you don't
2: sell it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, uh, what, 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 uh, what's your next project? I do not know do yet. I'm, uh, I'm talking about it, but I am unsure. Okay. So, what uh, okay. Well, it, what,
1: what do you want him to write about, bro? What do you want to read?
0: Wow. Well, '87 Mets. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Now we're talking.
1: Because oh. I mean, we're I'm, listen, we get around I'm still around about devastated. the '90s Mets. I was at all three of those games. Uh, I was, I was ticked off at the empty seats. I think it's uh, the Mets overpriced the seats, but there was a ton of empty seats in the upper deck. I'm still pissed off about that, and the, we can't lose to the Padres. They're the
0: Padres. No, you can't. It's kind of like when the Yankees beat the Padres in '98 in the World Series, and you—I uh, covered that World Series, and you just knew the Yankees were going to win. There was no doubt about it. This series, like. I guess they came in really limping, but it's really pathetic that they lost to the Padres.
1: It is. It is because they'll always be the Padres to us, you know, the, the, you know, the not good it's, the goofy Sagushi
0: uniforms yeah. and like Tony well, Gwynn and nobody else. Yeah. yeah you
2: know. the, well, the Mets come in as underdogs and end up overperforming and, and giving us, you know, something to cheer about. But to come in as this over, you know, this team that is doing what they were expected to do and then be so just yeah. disappointing, we're not used to this. And I am like, you know, usually by July, we don't have to worry about everything. We can move on with our summer and enjoy it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, okay, oh, good, go go Jeff.
0: I was going to say I do think Buck did a really good job this year. I think they have a pretty strong foundation. Um, I don't think this is the kind of season that takes the legs out of a franchise. I think they look back at this as a building year, and I think that I mean they're really prepared for a pretty good run. So I, I would I don't think the Mets are about to limp off start you know eighty-one win seasons again. I think they're an organization right. with a free spending owner and a really good manager and a really good talent foundation. Yeah, they'll be good.
1: Now so it was I'm, like 85. Yes, he like 85. Yeah. I'm now I'm someone I like to point out obvious things to people and I was laughing the other day so hard when it, when I read your tweet when it said I don't understand why people call going out of bounds to stop the clock a veteran move. That's something you learn yeah. in high school and <laughs> 6-year-olds know that. And I and I was like, "Oh, he hit the nail on the head so right because it's a, it's a, it's a something that they say all the time. Oh, he
2: went out of bounds, such a veteran move." Yeah. No, yeah, honestly, most of the guys don't even realize it these days and end up staying
0: inbounds or not knowing which way to go. I guess, like, I was watching that Bears-Patriots game a little bit, and they'll be like, Justin Fields, you can tell he's young because he didn't throw the ball away out of bounds on that play. And it's like, I don't know, man. I I think most people know, like, he just screwed up. Like, I don't know if someone deserves a lot of credit for knowing to throw the ball out of bounds because it stops the clock. Like, even if you're Justin Fields and you're just 23, like, you have been playing football for 10 years. I would think you would know to sort. Doesn't mean in the heat of the moment you don't screw up. Obviously you do, they're just humans. I do think we give athletes credit for Oh, you can just tell the savviness of the veteran stepping out of the plate when the pitcher was taking you well, That's kind of what you're, <laughs> yes. what you're supposed to do, man. Yeah. What are you talking about?
1: Yes, yeah. yes. Um, my wife wanted me to tell you that she is she is down in the middle of the Bo Jackson book. She loves it. She's already ordering more of your books, so she loves it. Um, his name is Jeff Perlman. The book is The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. Jeff, appreciate the couple Thanks, of minutes Jeff. here today. Appreciate it. Oh, It was good talking with you guys. Thank awesome. You so much. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right.
2: Take care. How about that, Brett? How was. about that? I could have done that one all day, too. He, he was, uh...
1: He got all the info. That was great, and listen, we both read the book, The Last Folk Hero. Make sure you pick it up. You could get it anywhere books are found. You could get us anywhere podcasts are found.
2: Um we got to get him back after the Mets win the World Series next year.
1: Yeah, well, listen, he's gonna, he's coming back. He's, he's, he's our buddy now. i got his phone number, so nice. he's, he's our buddy now. I sure um, love that. <laughs> you should see my Rolodex now, Brad. It's great. Oh, it's, yeah, great. Yeah. it's great. Yeah,
2: you definitely. Yeah. I just
1: can't get drunk on my phone. because then kids I'll start are using calling. TikTok I'm using calling. his Rolodex. I'll start, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll start calling people. Is that like a, like a...
1: Like a It's like, like a TikTok, but with papers. Kind of. It's kind of more of like a Facebook with papers. Ah, uh, I understand. You know, so it's go got all your friends. Updates, it's like MySpace. Updates, my friend MySpace. It's My. I got space. my top five. You know. That's good. So the book, "The Last Folk Hero: The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson." Excellent book. Pick it up. Um, that pretty much does it. We yeah. brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek, a better place to get tickets. Remember, if you go into these games, Rangers, Knicks, anything, enter locked up sports in the. Promo code
2: at yep. checkout. You're going to do LockedUpSports.net. LockedUpSports.net. Check sports. us out Net. on our Instagram page, Facebook stuff, YouTube channel. You can actually see the video on our YouTube channel. we up putting it up. We got the whole ticker with all the lives of the game. Everything's going Everything. Yeah.
1: We got it all. So, so look us up. Tell your friends. Rate and review us. That pretty much does it for today. For Brett Grosso, I'm Bob Walters. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. See ya.